Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Hey all, Chris Jonu, welcome back to the Startup Grind Global Podcast. And today we have a throwback to the Startup Grind Global Conference in 2020 from February. And a big session, a big fireside chat with Jennifer Hyman, co-founder and CEO of Rent the Runway, with Eileen Lee, founder and managing partner of Cowboy Ventures. So two heavy hitters on stage talking about industry leadership and allowing others to follow. Enjoy. I'm super excited that we're going to have a chance to chat. We've been friends for a long time. We've worked together for a long time. Jen is based in New York City. She doesn't get out here all that often. So it's really a treat for us to have a chat. Aileen was one of the first believers in Rent the Runway. So it's amazing to have that continuity over the decade of building the company. And I apologize for my voice. Two kids at home, so... Constant sickness. Uh, yes, constant sickness. Actually, Jen, I had heard about Rent the Runway, and I reached out to Jen and her co-founder, Jenny, and I would like be like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Do you guys want to grab coffee? I'd just love to hear how things are going. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I would book a flight, and I would fly from California to New York and take them out for coffee. Um, so that happened for a couple months, and then I was fortunate enough to have the chance to invest in Rent the Runway. Um, and that was, we were a different business. Yeah. And um, so let's talk a little bit about, because I think if you are a startup founder, if you're working in a startup, the Rent the Runway story, um, which is still just getting started, I feel like we, are, we have, there's so much ahead. Um, but maybe talk a little bit about, like, you know, getting started in the early years. What, like, what was hard and how did what was hard change over time? Yeah, so when I started Rent the Runway, I was 27 years old. I had never managed people before. I certainly had never managed functions as diverse as the functions that we needed to be successful. And so I think that one of the hardest things about scaling a startup is scaling from being an individual contributor yourself. Like at the early days of a company, you have founders, you have a founding team, and everyone's an individual contributor, meaning you're all doing everything. You're all writing the copy on email, you're all taking out the garbage, you're all answering customer service calls, you're all like reviewing the product roadmap. Then your startup scales a bit, and you are managing individual contributors. So you're still close to the work product. And then there becomes a phase where you have to scale, where you're managing the leaders of other individual contributors. So you're managing leaders. And you're further away from the product itself. I'm nowhere near the person today who's writing the email. But I still have to have both the awareness of what's going on on the ground level and be able to, to be also at the 10,000-foot level understanding and kind of inspiring people around a vision. So I think getting to really be able to do that over time is one of the hardest things about the journey. And how did you 
Like, how did you, how did you learn? How did you get the feedback that like your mindset had to change or that you had to elevate your management skills, your communication skills. Like I know um, another thing that I've heard from some of the CEOs that I've gotten to work with over the years is like it gets frustrating because you love participating in meetings. You love saying what you think about a product or, and then like at a certain point, like basically when you say a little thing that you think is not a big deal because you're just being a contributor in a meeting, then like everyone changes what they were doing and it can cause challenges because they don't think of you as just a contributor in a meeting anymore. You're like the big boss. Yeah, I think realizing and kind of very much internalizing the impact that your words, your body language, your behaviors actually have on the company. In the beginning of something, you're just one of the team members. Mm -hmm. So you could kind of have a bad day, potentially be more blasé in a meeting, and everyone will know, oh, maybe your boyfriend just broke up with you and you're being more <laughs> blasé in the meeting. When the team gets bigger, they're looking to you, the leader, the CEO, for their full inspiration, and they're taking every single word that you say literally and you're they're looking at your body language. And so taking that seriously, understanding that every leader and founder, and this happens way quicker than you give it credit for. If you have a team of 10 people, this will start to happen, where people will take you a lot more seriously than you even take yourself. And I think that being conscious of the impact that you're having on those around you is your job to do as the CEO. It's not anyone else's job to modify their behavior to you. You have to modify your style and your actions to everyone around you to make sure everyone feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that the primary feeling that I'm looking for in every relationship that I have in my life, whether that's at work or outside of work, my primary feeling is the feeling of ease. If you feel comfortable with someone, and if it feels like an easy environment, that's where you're being authentic. And so, Figuring out how you can contribute in your own environment to a feeling of ease, I think, is the most important thing you can do, especially in the early days of a business. Mm -hmm. And then in parallel, like the topic are, is pioneering an industry, right? Like when you started Rent the Runway, what year was it? It was? 2009. 2009. Like everybody was buying everything, right? Like renting... I remember when we were trying to tell people about Rent the Runway, a lot of people were like, well, why would I, like, something that someone else has worn, like, I don't know if I could ever do that, right? And, uh, and it started out with special occasions, right? And yeah. so talk a little bit about convincing people to change behavior, convincing people that there was a really, because re really big market that we were going after when the market did not exist. Yeah, I mean, there's three audiences that you need to convince. You need to convince customers, you need to convince investors, and we need to, needed to convince the industry, which was our suppliers. That's how we would be able to access inventory. So just for a moment, let's talk about investors. We came up with the idea for Rent the Runway prior to the sharing economy existing in this country. So the only sharing economy company that existed at the time was Netflix. There was no Spotify, there was no Uber, there was no Airbnb, you get it. So we had to convince investors of really the demographic trends that were happening around us that would lead towards the sharing economy and something like access over ownership being prolific in our lives. 
we also had to convince investors about the changing retail economy, the fact that people wanted to spend less time offline in retail stores, that actually we were going to start buying and renting more things online, and how that was going to change our behavior. So I really think so much about the early days when all you have is a big idea, is about almost being a sociologist or a journalist of like, here are all the market forces that are making this idea relevant right now, and making this idea um, something that could get even more momentum over time. People have to believe that this is the right time mm -hmm. for the idea and that people will start to do the behavior. I think it's really important from a consumer standpoint, and this also helped us with investors, to understand that my, my belief set is there's almost new, no new ideas. And Rent the Runway is not a new idea. So what does Rent the Runway do? It, get, it allows you to wear a new outfit every day. It allows you to have your closet in the cloud, put your wardrobe on rotation. Well, that exists. It existed before us. It's called buying things in fast fashion. Buying things from a store that's selling you a high quantity of items super cheap. So right now, the average American, and actually the average woman globally, buys 68 articles of clothing per year. She's only doing that because of stores like H&M or Zara or Amazon who are enabling her to buy a high quantity at low prices. So as opposed to reinventing the wheel, I was able to say to investors, hey, we're just faster fashion for the 21st century. We're giving you even more variety with the real thing in a sustainable way, mm -hmm. in a way that's smart, and in a way that doesn't actually end up with a whole closet full of clothes that you don't wear. Mm -hmm. So think about, is there a, a behavior that already exists that you can utilize to prove out your thesis? And that behavior that existed for decades prior mm -hmm. to Run the Runway was people buying a lot of clothes every single year. Or even, I mean, Run the Runway started with special occasion for the most part, yeah. right? We talked about like the Cinderella experience, which had, I think, pros and cons in terms of like the pros, like people could understand it, right? It's yeah. really special, it's an incredible way to brand, but then, it, but it also is very precious, right? And so moving the brand away from something that was so precious into something every day was also, I think, a big um, shift. But at the time, like fast fashion wasn't even as popular as it has been in the past five or 10 years. And, but people were buying, basically buying dresses, Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's or Neiman and wearing them with the tags on and, and then returning, returning them. them. That's what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to kind of prove out that the behavior exists and kind of telling those stories and recognizing that like, you're not brilliant, like your idea is not brilliant, your idea is just an iteration for today. Like that almost helps tell the story in a better way because there's less to believe. Mm -hmm. If I'm inventing something completely new in the universe, there is a lot that a consumer or an investor would have to believe. So I think that it is to your advantage to basically tell an idea that's really about iteration. Now, in reality, having a closet in the cloud, my customers today are using the service 120 days of the year as a substitution for getting dressed out of their closet. That's clearly disruptive behavior, and it's clearly something that no one's ever done before. But had I described the behavior in that disruptive of a way in the early days, there's no way we would have, would have ever been able to raise money, in my opinion. Yes, startups want to succeed, but many also want to make a positive positive impact on the world. Check out this example of how technology made that possible for one of them.
Hi, it's Mike Stiles, and this is Meet the Startups for the week of July 22nd, brought to you by Oracle for Startups. What's your reaction when you hear the words global food shortage? It might be, how can that even be possible? But the World Health Organization predicts a variety of issues are indeed moving us toward a global food shortage. It reports even where people aren't hungry, there's food insecurity, an uncertainty about being able to get food. There are also compromises on the quality of what they eat. The report sadly concludes the world is not on track to meet global nutrition targets. Into that world steps Israeli startup AgroScout. They're revolutionizing agriculture with sustainable AI agronomy. AI and drones are helping farmers automate pest and disease detection for better farming and safer food. But how do you scale that and take it global? When AgriScout needed massive storage, computing, and processing, they migrated from AWS to Oracle Cloud. The way Oracle partners with startups means technology really can be used to make good things happen. This week, we asked AgriScout CEO Simka Shore for a specific example of how tech is helping farmers and the environment. We've been training the algorithm to see the Colorado potato beetle, but that beetle doesn't spread that quickly. And this season, we will grow a field and won't be traded against the, the beetle. And when we do detect the beetle with our technology, they will only spray that specific place. That's this week's Meet the Startups. If you're wondering what kind of boost migrating to Oracle Cloud could give your startup, take a look at Oracle's startup program at oracle.com startup. So what do you think of the things that, I, I mean, I think you are probably one of the best fundraisers I've ever experienced as uh, when Jen and Jenny gave uh, their fundraising presentation at uh, my former firm, Kleiner Perkins. It was the only time I think I'd already been there for like eight or eight or 10 years or maybe, that they got a standing ovation from the partnership, which was pretty impressive. Like, why do you think, like, what did you do? Talk about your, like, your, your special sauce around fundraising. I have no idea because I've never seen anyone else fundraise before, so I can't, you know, compare. But first of all, I absolutely love what I do. You know, I've been working on Rent the Runway for 11 years. I actually had zero intention growing up to ever be an entrepreneur. I was passionate about this idea about giving women the power to express themselves however they want every day. And I think that that is giving them basically key, the key to self-empowerment. And I was really passionate about democratizing an industry and giving everyone access to have their closet in the cloud. So I think that that passion probably shows through that I'm not just doing this to be an entrepreneur, which has become quite glamorized, that everyone thinks that this is their ticket to either freedom or it's their ticket to money or success. And let me just tell you, like 11 years of working 24 <laughs> hours a day, of not being able to shower without thinking about Rent the Runway, of not being able to sleep without thinking about Rent the Runway, you better love what it is you're setting out to do. And I think that that comes through. I think the focus on team and recruiting has always been there and people because inevitably the idea is the easiest part. It's the execution that is always 99% of the job and you're not executing anything on your own. You're executing it with a team of really talented mm -hmm. people. So the ability to bring great people around me to have those people grow and want to stay at Rent the Runway, even have some of those people Come, come to Rent the Runway, leave, and then come back. Yep. 
I think that all of those things might have been... Well, okay, I will add a couple things. Okay. Um, one of the things, your first VP at Run the Runway was a VP of... Data. Data. And the, at the time, that was very unusual, right? But Run the Runway, an incredible logistics and supply chain, both like buying inventory smart, basically building like a saber system to be able to know what was going to be in stock, what was going to be in inventory when, and like how long, how far away was the dress, when was it going to come back, when can you promise it to the next customer? Like that was all built in house. Um, and so I think that was a really smart hire at a time when people but, were not hiring heads of data. But that's also an understanding of people and an understanding of yourself. You know, I, I got, I was aware of the fact that I had a lot of customer-oriented vision, a lot of team-oriented vision, but that I needed a yin to my yang in terms of how I thought about the world. And I needed a visionary as it related to data because data is the competitive advantage of our business. It informs how we've built our operation, how we think about inventory, which are the two biggest kind of expenses of my business. And so you hired a VP of data very early before we really had much of a business. Before we had data. How did you convince- We didn't have data. How did you convince a world-class data scientist to come be the VP of data when we had no business? I think it's about spending quantity time with someone. I think fundamentally people only want to work for someone who they love and not just for an idea. And I think that we spent time, we took walks together, we had long lunches and meals together. It wasn't just a work-oriented conversation because he at the time was making a move where he was changing cities, he was figuring out not only do I believe in whatever the iteration of this idea is right now, Rent the Runway, but do I believe in Jen? And interestingly, he was with me for 10 years and he um, is now move. first of all, I, I see him for dinner all the time still, he's now founding his own company, and he's moving a block away from me. <laughs> he comes to my family's Passover seders, like, he's literally a part of my family, which is so incredible that you can, you know, I, I think building real relationships with people mm -hmm. fundamentally is the saving grace, what you have to do, um, as a founder, yeah. you cannot think of this as just a business. Yeah. The other thing I'd say um, is like, you know, there's an old saying like retail is detail, right? Like e-commerce is, there's just a lot of details and every penny matters. And you had incredible vision in your pitch, but you had incredible backup slides. Yeah. Like there was not a question an investor could ask you where you were not like- Oh my God, I get so frustrated by <laughs> entrepreneurs coming to me and they don't know the numbers. They don't know any of the financials behind their own business, let alone the financials of the market. It's like, don't waste someone's time. If you don't know every single question that you could be asked and you can't back that up with a number. So before you go and you meet with another, you know, entrepreneur that you want to be your mentor or an investor, you better have everyone in your orbit ask you 400 questions about your pitch and so that you're basically rehearsing, you'll figure out what the most commonly asked questions are, and then you have to figure out how to answer those questions with data or with numbers. If you just come in with your gut feeling, it will never, ever be successful. Yes, I think that's, I mean, you basically had analyzed 
what if this happened? What, what is this happens? Like if this price went up, if this cost went down, if this customer acquisition changed, you had analyzed it from every single angle. I don't think you had a slide. Because you have to invest, or you have to analyze it from the mindset of the investor. Mm -hmm. You have to think about what are they going to be worried about? What are the biggest risks associated with whatever I'm talking about right now? And let me pre-answer that. Let me actually address the thing that they're worried about prior to them bringing it up because that gives them more confidence that I'm being truthful, as opposed to the fact that I'm hiding the fact that, of course, there's risk in my business. I'm 11 years into my business now, and there's a lot less risk than there was you know, a decade ago, but there's still risk. And so even when I speak to investors today, I talk about the risks preemptively. So I feel like you're starting to talk like a CEO who's thinking about maybe running a public company. Well, I certainly want to run a public company. Hopefully that'll be rent the runway. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I see a long runway or rent the runway ahead of us and that we're just at the beginning of building out this closet in the cloud and having people start to think about their wardrobes in a new way. I mean, just anecdotally, I don't know how many of you have experienced Rent the Runway, or I know people in New York City who have moved their apartments to be closer to a Rent the Runway store, because it just makes it easier to basically like make it literally your closet. That is crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. But you're literally changing people's living decisions. Yeah, and there's so many things that are changing this year that if you haven't signed up for a subscription, Sign up now and you will see actually every quarter over quarter this year, there are going to be massive improvements to the customer experience, especially if you live here on the West Coast, that even as just a business person, I think it's interesting to see iterative change in a product mm -hmm. experience um, over time and how a company thinks about that. And you have some announcements coming later this week? We have some big announcements coming later this week and some more coming later this month. So, you know, it's fun. Like, fundamentally, I just want everyone in the audience to think about, like, what is fun for you? You know, this has just been the joy of my life to build this company. I have fun every single day. I absolutely love it. And I think that fun and ease are the two sustaining attributes where I'm more excited about my own business now than I was at the beginning, which I think is important if you're going to make this your life vocation. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. There are ups and downs, but I think, um, I think you're an incredible uh, like role model and testament to like having a vision and both, I think, doing the hard work to bring the skill to bear to see it to light. And I think it's, it's a joy to see what's happening with the company and what's ahead. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Jen. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.